Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. I want to share some things with you today that the Spirit of God has laid on my heart and uh, concerning the upcoming year. And uh, uh, Jason was asking me earlier um, what I was going to be sharing on uh, today, and uh, so I, I told him that I was going to speak some things to you in a prophetic way, some things that I see by the Spirit of God that uh, uh, that God is doing. I want you to know what God's doing. Praise God, what He's up to. And, uh, you know, the reason being that if we know what He's up to, then we can better cooperate with what He's doing. And it benefits us so much more if we are in cooperation with what he's doing. Praise God. And uh, so that we can, um, you know, we, we can uh, become a participant. See, because this is not just about God does his thing and we all just kind of hang out and hopefully some good things fall on us. But... Uh, you know, it's, it, is, it is a corporate thing. We are the body of Christ. If the body of Christ is not embodying the anointing, then the anointing is not in the earth. The anointing is in the earth through the body of Christ. Praise God. And so, uh, let's, just, let's just say this together. Say, Father, I thank you for your word. Your word is spirit and life to me. I believe with all my heart that your word, sown in good ground, produces good fruit. Father, I am good ground for your word. I'm a doer of the word, not a hearer only, and I am blessed in my deeds. And Father, I ask you today, by your Holy Spirit, to speak to my heart because I want to cooperate with what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, there's been a lot of talk about the year 2020. And when we say 2020, a lot of people think of perfect vision. Because 2020 is, is what they call perfect vision. And so, you know, if you've got 2020 vision, well, you're about to step into the year 2020. And I believe that God is giving us some insight into some things that we can see clearly. Several years ago, the, uh, a few years ago, I'm not exactly sure, but I think it was about four years ago, 
that the Spirit of God began to speak to my heart, and, and I, I shared it with you, that God said, I'm going to do a new thing, and it's going to be a very unique thing that if I told you, you wouldn't understand it because you have no reference point. You see, we are stepping into a fresh move of the Spirit of God through the earth, and he is beginning to pour out his spirit in a fresh and new way. And there is a term that, uh, there, there are several terms that are used. Some are called, you know, some people call it a revival. Some call it an outpouring. Some call it a move of God, whatever you want to call it. But it is about God's activity in the earth. And, um, you know, when we talk about revival or whatever, then most people that know anything about uh, church history and about the great revivals or great outpourings of the Spirit of God in the earth, you know, we, we have these mental images that are placed there that we associate with the word revival or outpouring or move of God. And, uh, um, you know, it's just like if I said dog, with that word dog, you would associate that with a dog that you are very familiar with. You know, you, you wouldn't think of some dog that you haven't even seen before. Uh, but we would associate that word with a dog that we are very familiar with. And in the same way, when we use the word revival or outpouring or, or uh, uh, move of God, we immediately connect that word to something we know about. And what, you know, and so we expect the next move or uh, outpouring or revival, we expect that to look like the thing that we are familiar with. And, uh, but it, it, if you begin to look back, and if you know about more than one outpouring of the Spirit of God, every one has looked somewhat different. And this one will look different than anything we've seen before. Praise God. And so, um, you know, to try to understand, and over the years since the Lord gave me that word, he's uh, began to... Um, Open my understanding to see more and more. I still don't have the whole picture, but it's much clearer to me now than it has been in the past. And uh, so I am beginning to, to gain some insight into what God is wanting to do in the earth. And so I'm going to address some of those things today. And as I sat here last night, uh, just spending some time with the Lord, he began to, to give me some things that I started to write down, and I'm going to share those things with you, and I expect them to continue to expand as God makes clearer what he's talking about. But um, most of us, I don't know how many of you, well, let me just say that I don't know how many of you pay attention to politics. Well, I'm not going to preach politics to you today, that's, you know, I've got some good news to preach to you today. And politics and, and good news often don't go hand in hand. 
and so, uh, but we have seen some political turmoil in our nation over the last few years. And, uh, you know, I, I began to tell you what I was seeing in the political realm. And what I was seeing with, you know, and one day I was praying. In fact, this was before the 2016 election. I was praying. And, um, you know, Christians have been praying 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse number 14 for a long time. They've been praying, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. And uh, Christians have been praying that for a long time. The Lord, we, we repent of our, our sins as a nation, and, and we're praying, God, that you would uh, forgive our sins and that you would heal our land. And then the Lord said to me, uh, like I said back before the 2016 election, he said this. He said, when are you going to believe I am healing your land? And see, he began to show me this, this mental image uh, or this image on the inside of me. He began to open that up and let me see some things. And, and I began to see that what God was, was doing in the political realm was much like a surgical procedure. Now, when you do surgery on someone, when a doctor does surgery, they cut that person open to remove something that shouldn't be there and, and to take that out. And um, it seems as though, you know, if we just look at what they're doing in surgery, we would think you're killing that person. You're, you're you know, you're cutting them open and, and, and you're killing that person. And really... When that is taking place during the surgical procedure, that person becomes very close to death. And, you know, and this is why they bring in the, the papers for you to sign. If you're going to have surgery, even the simplest of surgery, uh, and they tell you, you know, that it's possible you could die from this. And uh, we want to make sure that you are aware of that and give us permission to go ahead and do the surgery anyway. And so, um, as the Lord begins to do these kinds of, uh, of things, he is performing surgery on our nation in the political realm. And so, um, in order to remove what doesn't belong, what is causing the damage, what will eventually kill you if you don't remove it, you know, uh, if you've got a, a tumor or something of that nature, if you leave it there and don't remove it, it will eventually kill you. And so uh, you, you go in and it seems like you're doing the opposite of what you need to do because you're cutting open, but you remove what, does, what should not be there and then the healing can begin to take place. And this is what I see in, in the realm of politics. So when I, I see all of the, the turmoil and the mess and all of this kind of thing going on, I rejoice. And a lot of people are very upset. I'm not upset about what I'm seeing in the political realm. 
I'm not upset about it. I'm, I'm happy about it because of what I know God is doing in all of this. He is beginning to expose some things that don't belong in our nation and some things that should not be there. And he is opening it, the wound up and removing some things. And very soon, and the Spirit of God spoke to me just this morning. I was sitting in the cafe, and he said, tell them the surgery's almost over. Amen. Praise God. And we're going to begin to see the healing take place. And it will begin, it won't be an instant healing, but it will be a process of healing our land. God has, as he said, I will hear from heaven. He has heard from heaven. Praise God. And he is healing our land. So we're going to begin to see a shift in the political realm in our country. And, and, and things are going to begin now to mend very, very soon, it's going to become evident that the mending and the healing is beginning to take place. So, so begin to watch that and begin to know, see, don't be dismayed, but know what God is up to. Praise God. Praise God. Now, also in the church world. We're seeing some things take place in the church world. Three years ago, I stood in the street in uh, Quesaltenango, Guatemala, and I was talking with my friend Terry uh, Scott, who went to be with the Lord just a few days after that. But I, I began to talk to him. It was uh, uh, in the month of November, I believe, and, and we were talking, and I, I told him, I said, I see um, a parallel between what's happening in the, po the political realm and what's happening in the church realm. Praise God. And so uh, that, that at the same time, some of the same things are taking place. And, uh, you know, people were saying at that time that God can't use this person or God can't use that person or God can't, you know, and God can't do this and God can't do that. And the Lord said to me, he said, don't ever presume that you can tell me who I can and cannot use. And, and here's the, and, and I'm reminded, I'm reminded of the story of Balaam in the Bible where Balaam's donkey began to talk to him. And, you know, and I hear the Spirit of God saying this, if I can use a donkey to get a message to Balaam, I use anybody I want to use. And we said that in the realm of politics. We said that God can't use this person or God can't use that person. Well, we also have said for many, many, many years, we have said that in the church, God can't use this person or that person or, you know, and, and we have had these standards that we have raised up. God didn't raise this up. We raised it up in our minds. And we said, God can't use this person. And then when God does use that person, then we say, oh, well, that must not be God. It must, you know, and, and so we have stood in judgment of what God was doing with people. And we have 
we have set ourselves up as judges to say God can't use this person. God can't use that person. It's because they have things wrong in their lives. Well, let's look in the mirror. You know, can God use you? Do you have anything wrong in your life? How many of you have at least one thing in your life that's wrong? Okay, most of you are honest. And the others, that's the thing that's wrong in your life. Okay, <laughs> all right. So, um, you know, there are things in every one of our lives that are wrong. But you see, we don't look at we don't look at it the same way. We say, well, this person is disqualified because of this or because of that, or, you know, and we uh, begin to determine who God can and cannot use. But you know what? God can use anybody he wants to use. And I'm going to tell you, God can use unbelievers. He can use people to, to, he did it throughout the Bible. He used people that didn't even know what they were doing. And he used them to get his mission accomplished, to get his purpose accomplished. And so um, let's, uh, let's look at this. In Mark chapter 16, verse number 20, notice what it says here. And they went out and preached everywhere. They went out and preached everywhere. Where did they preach? Everywhere. See, we have thought, and one of the reasons that churches have, have not uh, exploded, there, see, there's plenty of unbelievers out there. There's plenty of unchurched people to pack the seats of every church in town and more. There are plenty of people. But the thing is, we thought we were supposed to preach in here. And we are. But where else are we supposed to preach? Everywhere. Praise God. Praise God. And so we, we in fact, actually, you know, there has been, well, don't be preaching here. Don't be preaching. You can't preach there. You can't preach in this place. You can't preach. And, and preaching doesn't mean that you stand up and you give an oration. But preaching means that you proclaim the good news. You proclaim the good news. And where is the good news needed? Everywhere. They went and preached everywhere. And when they went and preached everywhere, the Lord worked with them, confirming the word through the accompanying signs. And I said this a couple of years ago, and I, I, it bears repeating, that miracles are more needed across your back fence than they are on the front pew. Miracles are more needed at your workplace than they are in, on the front row in church. You see, because most of the miracles that are needed are not represented in this room here today. 
And so it's great. I love it when the Spirit of God uh, uh, moves through the room and people begin to get healed and this kind of thing. But see, God is, is unlimited in his thoughts of how to do things. God can do miracles through you across the desk at work. God can do miracles through you to the person that is, that is mining alongside of you. God can do miracles through you for the person that you meet in the supermarket line. Praise God. God can do miracles through you at the softball complex. Praise God. You see, they went and they preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with Where did the Lord work with them? Everywhere. He worked with them everywhere. And he confirmed the word. Now, he's talking about the word that they preached, which was the word he told them to preach, which was the good news. He confirmed the good news. Now, so many people, if the Lord actually confirmed the word they were preaching, the Lord would be striking people dead all over the place because that's what they're telling people. You know, you don't quit doing that, God's going to strike you dead. If the Lord confirmed that word, would you really want the Lord to confirm that word? You know? So quit preaching that word. Praise God. And begin to preach the good news. So if the Lord worked with them confirming the word through accompanying signs, then they must have been preaching some good news. Praise God. And so I want you to get that and, and, and grasp that. The Lord worked with them everywhere. Everywhere. You see, God will heal in the most unusual ways. He will heal in the most unusual places. He will save people in the most unusual places. Praise God. I remember a story a few years ago that uh, the city of Moore, Oklahoma was hit by uh, massive tornadoes and, and much, much damage um, was done. And a pastor friend of mine from Oklahoma City some of his staff members were out on the streets in downtown Oklahoma City that day, and the, the tornado sirens went off, so they began to look for cover, and they ran into a basement, which turned out to be a bar. And so they're there in the bar seeking shelter from uh, the tornado, and that day in the bar, they led 16 people to Jesus. Some people say, well, Jesus wouldn't go in a bar. He did that day. Praise God. They went everywhere preaching the gospel, and the Lord worked with them everywhere, and the Lord confirmed the word everywhere with signs everywhere. Praise God. We need to get that. In, in, in unusual ways, I, I, um, I, I saw a video this week, and... Uh, I sent it to Jason because Jason has a, a running joke about you just come to church for the, for the announcements, right? That's, you know. Yep. And, and uh, uh, 
so I sent him this video because there is a, a man by the name of Daniel Kalinda, and Daniel Kalinda is a protege of uh, Reinhard Bunke, who is, Reinhard Bunke is said to have preached to more people in his lifetime than anyone else ever. And, uh, you know, and at one point in Lagos, Africa, in 2000, he saw 1.2 million people come to Christ in a single meeting, a single service. And uh, so um, Daniel Kalinda was telling a story about how that one time he went to preach in a foreign nation and, and he said he arrived, his flight arrived late and he didn't have much time and he uh, went to his hotel room and he thought, I've got a little bit of time before the crusade begins. And he was preaching that night, expecting to preach to about a half a million people. And he's preaching that night. And so he says, uh, he was tired from the trip, and so he laid down to take a brief nap, and he thought, then I'll get up and spend some time in prayer before I go to the crusade. And he fell sound asleep, and the next thing he knew, they were banging on the door saying, what, are you okay? The crusade has started. And so he jumps up, and they, they usher him into a, a, a car and take him to the crusade. And on the way to the crusade, he's telling the Lord, he says, I'm so sorry, Lord, that I fell asleep. I, I didn't even have time to pray. And the Lord spoke to him and said, don't think that I'll hold myself back because of you. Amen. Praise God. And so he got there that night, and he was sitting on the platform as they were making announcements. It was the last night of the crusade and they were recognizing people from all over the place, different countries, different uh, villages and all that had helped with the crusade. And they were thanking people and all this, making these announcements. And he said, all of a sudden I'm sitting there and there's a, there's a, a friend that's sitting next to him and he said, we were just joking with one another while the announcements were going on. And he said, all of a sudden I see or I hear a commotion Gets my attention. He says, I've heard this sound many times before. He said, I hear a commotion, and I glance over in the direction from which it came, and he said, I see a wheelchair fly up in the air. And he said he punched his, his uh, friend in the ribs and said, look, God's healing people during the announcements. <laughs> and he said, then I see it again, and then again, and then again. And he says, it just continued to happen. And he said, the, the person doing the announcements turned around and walked back to me and handed me the microphone. And he said, I walked up to the podium and I just stood there. I didn't know what to say. And he says, so I stood there for a minute. I turned around, went back to my seat and just sat down. And for the next 45 minutes, over and over and over again, he said, uh, wheelchairs and crutches flying up in the air and people erupting with, with praise. And, you know, and he said that after, after 45 minutes, it kind of began to die down. And he said, I'm sitting there. He said, I get up and I tell the people, he said, uh, if you have just received a, a healing, he said, now, if you didn't receive a healing, don't do this, he said, but if you received a healing and you, had, you were on crutches or you were in a wheelchair, he said, I want you to bring it up here and let's make a pile of this stuff on the platform. 
He said, now, if, if you didn't receive your healing, don't bring it up here because I'm not giving it back. He said, but they brought it up here, and he said, there was a mountain of crutches and, and wheelchairs and stretchers and this kind of thing piled up on the platform because Jesus moved through the crowd that day. Nobody prayed for anybody. Jesus just showed up and did what he does. Praise God. And he did it in the most unusual way. He, you know, during the announcements, nobody's preaching, nobody's praying, just announcements. And Jesus begins to heal people. Praise God. Now, if you will let him, Jesus wants to heal people through you. Praise God. Praise God. Well, we'll bring them to church and so they can get in the healing line. Well, those, those of you who have been around here for a little while, you know that we used to do that every week. And we just don't do that anymore. Why? Because Jesus doesn't need a healing line. Often, you know, I, I began to, when the Lord really began to change my heart several years ago and began to, to point out some things to me that we have had wrong in the church. Now, I'm not saying a healing line is wrong. It's not. There's nothing wrong with that, and we may do it again. But as of right now, we don't do that usually. And the reason we don't is because I don't want to draw attention to me. I want all the attention to be on Jesus. Praise God. My job is to point you to Jesus, not, and the tendency is. When we're doing a healing line, the tendency is to be on the person that is doing the praying for people. And so, uh, you know, I just said, we're just going to say, you know, while you're receiving the communion table and you partake of the bread, receive your healing. That's what it's for. That's why Jesus' body was broken, was so you could be healed. So receive your healing as we are partaking of the communion table. I encourage people, you know, that call me and say, Pastor, can you pray for me? I encourage them to partake of the communion table. Right in your home, right where you are, partake of the communion table. Because there is power when you remember what Jesus did for you. Praise God. So we're going to begin to see a move of God in the church. And God is going to, you know... In the past, past revivals have been marked by mass crusades, by tent revivals, by great healing revivals, things like this where people would come together in, in, in uh, droves and, and pack large uh, facilities and great healings would take place and many people would give their lives to Christ and, you know, and that's a wonderful thing. But this, what I see with this, uh, this fresh move of God, what I see with this is that God is going to begin to use people that never thought they could be used. That never thought, I can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You're going to be at work and somebody's going to share with you that they need healing in their body. And you're going to just boldly reach over and take their hand and in the name of Jesus and release the healing anointing and God is going to do miracles in your workplace. Who's ready for that? Can you handle a little bit of that? Praise God. 
Praise God. There, there are going to be times when you are in a supermarket or a Walmart or, or, you know, wherever you might be, and you're going to encounter a need for healing, and God's going to use you to deliver the healing anointing to that person right where they are, right there. Praise God. Begin to expect healings to take place in your backyard. Begin to expect miracles to take place at the softball complex or the soccer complex or wherever, you know, whatever sporting events, and you're there. Begin to expect miracles to take place there. And when you sense that prompting, I, you see, here's the first thing that we've been, and religion has subconsciously taught us this, you know, that, well, I don't know if that's God or if it's just me. Well, you know what? It doesn't really matter if it's God or just you. If you see a need for healing, you carry the anointing. Praise God. And so don't worry about, is that God or just me? You get past that and you'll stop having those thoughts. You know, if you, if you can get over this idea of, well, you know, God's got to move on me to do this. See, here's what we do many times is we think God's got to move on us specifically in a specific situation to tell us to do what he told us generally to do. He told us generally, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. He doesn't need you to, he doesn't need to tell you specifically, lay hands now on this person. No, he said lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Praise God. So you don't need to worry about, is that God telling me that or is that just me? You know, and we have been taught that if it's just us, well then God's just going to leave us hanging to dry. And, uh, you know, he's not going to show up. He said he would confirm his word. And his word says, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Praise God. Praise God. So here's something that, that the Lord said this to me, and I want you to remember this. You might want to write this down or, or, or whatever, but, you know, my generation has been called the me generation. You know, that it's all about, you know, life's all about me. And the me generation has raised up another generation that is even meer than me, you know. And uh, so, but here's what the Spirit of God spoke to me yesterday. He said, out of the me generation, I'm going to raise up the me generation. Out of the me generation, I'm going to raise up a me as in God generation. Praise God. He just said it to me like this. He said, I'm going to raise up out of the me generation, I'm going to raise up the me generation. And I knew exactly what he meant. That the me, capital M, capital E, exclamation point, generation. Praise God. The God generation. And he began to tell me some things, and I wrote these down, and I want to share with you exactly what the Lord said about this. 
He said, eye has not seen and ear has not heard the things that I have prepared in Christ. But I am opening spirit eyes to reveal to this me generation the way things look through the lens of the cross. For I say this generation that shall arise will care less about what is in it for me and will seek what is in it for me, for God. Praise God. He said, and because they seek the expansion of my house and all that is mine will be accessible as they have need of it. I will give them an open-ended expense account for they will not ask amiss to consume it upon their lust as previous generations have done, but I shall ask what shall I give you and they shall answer, give us souls. And because they have not asked for wealth and power, I will respond as I did to Solomon. I will give them wealth and influence. And if it were possible that anything could be difficult for me, it would be difficult for me to make them wealthy because they would spend it all on souls. But they will be accused by the selfish and greedy of chasing after money. But it will not be true. Did I not say in Proverbs 13, 22, the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just, for those who will justly, who do justly with it? And did I not say in Proverbs eleven twenty five, the generation, or, or excuse me, the generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself? But if in hearing the word, pay very careful attention to this part. If in hearing the word of this prophecy, you were attracted to the talk of wealth, it's not you I'm speaking of. I now have a word for you. You ready? All right. Here's what he's saying to us. He's saying, if you were attracted to the idea of wealth, and that was what was attractive to you out of this word, he said, I'm not talking to you. He said, I've got a different word for you. Here's the word he has for you. Repent. Praise God. He says, change your mind and I will grant you repentance that you too may be part of the me generation. Praise God. So if you change your mind and begin to focus, you see, when we, the, the Bible says in, in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse number 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Here's the thing. If we're in love with the things, here's something that I, that I heard. Uh, I mentioned Daniel Kalinda a little bit ago, but I, mentioned, I heard him say this. He said, 
We seek the king. Uh, we don't seek the kingdom because we love the things. We seek the kingdom because we love its king. Praise God. And when we can get a hold of that and the wealth ceases to be our attraction and souls becomes our heart's cry, then you won't have to... You, I'm here to tell you that when you begin to seek the kingdom of God and the expansion of his house, you won't need to seek after things. These things will come upon you and overtake you. And in that word, the Lord said this. I don't know if you caught this or not. He said, if it were possible for something to be difficult for me, which is not. But he said, if that were possible, the thing that would be difficult for me is to make this generation wealthy. Because everything I would put in their hands, they would have such a, a drive to reach the world and to reach the lost that they would turn around and spend everything that I could put in their hands on souls. That's who God's looking for. You see, Solomon, he didn't ask for, for riches. He didn't ask for wealth. He didn't ask for, for power. He asked for wisdom to govern the people. And God said, because you didn't ask for wealth and you didn't ask for power, he said, I'm going to give you the wisdom you asked for, and I'm also going to give you all the things you didn't ask for. Praise God. And that's what he says is going to be like it was to Solomon with this generation. I'm going to say, what can I give you? And they're going to say, give us souls. And because they don't ask for wealth and power, he says, I'm going to give them wealth and influence. Praise God. Praise God. So begin to look for it to happen. I'm speaking to you prophetically this morning. Praise God. And I am almost out of time, but I want to hit something very quickly today. God wants to start by changing you. Who's ready to be changed? Let me ask you a question. Can you afford to keep going the way you've been going? Can you afford for everything in your life to just stay the same? Well, if you don't make a deliberate decision, a purposeful decision to change, things will, they won't go the way they've been going. They'll go downhill. Praise God. If we don't change what we're doing and we continue to do what we've been doing, things are going to begin to go downhill in our lives. Now, I'm not prophesying gloom and doom to you because it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. If you will let God begin to change you, hallelujah. See, here's what he said. If you'll repent, then you can be a part of this generation that I'm raising up, this me generation that I'm raising up. If you'll repent, if you'll change your mind, you know, We've heard over the last number of years, we've heard preached what is called the prosperity gospel. Now, that's not a term I even use uh, because, uh, you know, I, I think that's just some, some uh, uh, 
jealous, disgruntled people that, that have attached that term to, and most of what I hear about that is not even true anyway. And so, but, but here's what I want you to see. There have been those that have preached that you should prosper, that God wants you to prosper. I believe that. I've preached it, and I preach it. God wants you to prosper and be blessed. But that, you know, many people are attracted to that because all they can see is dollar signs. God's wanting a people that can look through the lens of the cross. And I'm telling you, even though Jesus became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich, he, uh, when you look through the lens of the cross, you don't see dollar signs, you see souls. God is raising up a people that see souls and see the value and and. and uh, when the scripture says that if you've been faithful in what is another man, who will give you the true riches? You don't know what the true riches is? The true riches is souls. And when you can begin to see souls, now it takes money to get souls. Now it doesn't take money to lead the person sitting next to you to the Lord, but it takes money to reach this world. Praise God. I just bought some plane tickets this week. I know it costs money to reach this world. You know, I bought tickets to go and preach the gospel. Praise God. And it takes money to preach the gospel, to reach the world with the gospel. You know, so no, I am not against that. And the, I, I just shared scripture with you that he who waters would himself be watered. Praise God. God said, you know, if it were possible for something to be too difficult for me, the thing that would be difficult would be to make this generation wealthy because they'll take what I put in their hands and they'll spend it for souls. Praise God. But you see, God will make sure that you're well taken care of. Praise God. And he knows how to do it. Now, don't be a scoffer. Don't be a scoffer. Peter wrote these words, 2 Peter chapter 3. He says that, that there are some that they, they become scoffers and they say, knowing this first, Peter says, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. There are many people, a lot of you watching online today, and I'm going to tell you, you cannot afford to keep things going the way they've been going. And you have to make a change. You have to make an adjustment because if you keep, think, you keep trying to go the way you're going, things are not going to keep going the way you're going and things are going to begin to go downhill in your life. It's time to make a change. And he said there would be scoffers that would say, well, since the beginning, things, oh, 
Preachers have always said that. And it's true. Preachers have always said that. But Peter said things will not continue as they were. He said scoffers say things will continue to be as they were. Then notice this. Jump down to verse 9 of 2 Peter 3. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the will of God, that all would come to repentance. And God has said that there would come a day of the Lord. There will come a day when Jesus Christ will return to this earth. And when he does, the age of evangelism will be over. Praise God. We'll never lead anyone else to Jesus. The age of evangelism, it will be done. Things, it, that day will come. Praise God. And then in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, he says, And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. In other words, that's why he is waiting. That's why he hasn't come yet is because he desires that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Praise God. He's not waiting just because He's too tired to get up off his throne and come back, you know. No, he's waiting because he wants more to be saved. In fact, I want you to develop this attitude. I will never be satisfied as long as there is one person that doesn't know Jesus. Praise God. Why? Because Jesus will never be satisfied as long as there's one person that hasn't come in. Hallelujah. And consider this, that the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation, as our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. He said, Paul said some things to you, and he says, just like Paul said to you, I want you to get this, he said that he also said this in all of his epistles, all of Paul's epistles, so you can read any of Paul's epistles and, and look for this message, and it will be there because Peter wrote by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Paul wrote this in every one of his epistles, all of them. Speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable men. He said, Paul wrote some things that are hard to understand. You know, it doesn't make sense to the natural mind that salvation, righteousness, is by grace and not by works. That doesn't make sense to the natural mind. Peter said, that's hard to understand. But then he says, but... Um, he says, in which some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist. Untaught and unstable people 
twist. Are you want to know why you need to come to church? So you won't be untaught. And if you're untaught, then you become unstable. And if you become unstable, then you begin to twist what Paul said. That's why you need to come to church. That's why you out there need to come to church. Praise God. So that you won't be untaught and unstable and begin to twist Paul's message, which was the message of grace. Here's what he says. Untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do also the rest of the scriptures. So it's not only the teachings of Paul that they twisted, but he says they do that with all the scriptures because they're untaught, therefore they are unstable, therefore they begin to twist the truth of the gospel. And here's what they begin to say. They begin to say, I'm under grace. Paul said you're under grace. But here's what Paul did not say. He did not say that grace means you can live any old way you want to live. That's not what Paul said. But yet that's what some people who are untaught and therefore unstable begin to twist the gospel of grace to say. You can just live anywhere you, any old way you want to. You can do anything you want to do, and it just doesn't matter. It does matter. And he says it is to their own destruction that they twist the gospel. Praise God. So don't be a scoffer. Don't become untaught and unstable. Praise God. You see... Paul had this to say, and it's sad that Paul needed to say this, but preachers today need to say this a lot more often too. And that is, what shall we then say? Romans 6, verses 1 and 2. What shall we then say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Why did Paul need to say that? Because that's what people were saying that Paul was preaching. That's not what Paul was preaching. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Hallelujah. Grace is how you get away from sin, not how you get away with sin. Praise God. And then Peter gives us this exhortation, and we'll close with this. 2 Peter 3, verse 18. But grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Praise God. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, don't let anybody, any unlearned and unstable person twist the gospel and say, you don't have to receive Jesus as your Savior. Jesus said, except you be born again, you will in no wise see the kingdom of God. You must be born again. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father 
but by me. If you have never received the grace of God and been born again, right now, if you'll pray this prayer with me, according to God's word, you will be saved. It says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's pray this prayer right now. Everyone in this room, everyone that is watching me online, pray this with me. Say, God in heaven, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me, to pay for my sin, and then you raised him from the dead so I could have new life. Today, I choose Jesus. I put my trust in him for my salvation. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you, and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website, and we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus, and I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us, and remember that God is madly in love with you.